0: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply.
1: Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: A new season of Bridgerton is here.
3: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And it's time for another edition of Spoiled Saturdays. Uh, today we are going to be talking about the Fear Street trilogy, which is on Netflix. Uh, so if you don't want to be spoiled then I suggest that you go and watch them and come back. I I had the pleasure of re-watching them yesterday for work. Um, So it's funny to me because when these movies came out, people kept telling me, you have to watch them, you have to watch them, you'll love them. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'll get to them eventually. And when I did, I did love them. And then I sort of like spread it to other people and I kept telling my friends, like, if you start, if you watch the first one, we're going to be up all night because you're going to watch the second one and then you're going to want to watch the third one. And they all said, no, 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 I'll be good watching the first one. And then 3 a.m. rolls around and they're like, oh, no, let's watch the next one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. How did you discover them? What was your first experience like?
4: So, yeah, when I first watched it, I didn't know what I was getting into. I loved the Fear Street series that was originally released in the 90s, I believe, by R.L. Stein. Completely different, obviously. This is a whole different take. So, I don't quite remember. I do remember The Sisters... In the book, and I remember the traveling back and forth. If you remember The Fear Street, uh, any of R.L. Stein's books like that, First and foremost, it was very sexual. For a teenager reading these books, they were really sexual. and I was like, holy (laughs) crap, yes, as a repressed teen, give me this. (laughs) Uh So I feel like they held to that one pretty closely. Outside Mm -hmm. of that, um, I was excited to see that it was rated R, or at least mature, because for me, obviously, again, this was a teen series, but you really can't get to the essence of the book without all of that violence. Because you do read the violence in the book, And you're like, what is happening? And you're gripped by it. So love, love, love the book. Really excited that they took this point and made it different. But they still had the Fear Street, uh, Fear Sisters. I think there's only one in this one. But in the original, it's the Fear, F-I-E-R, talking about how that went on. The Good, the name Good also happens. I don't think in the book, and this is how long it's been, there was anything about sunnyville or shady side so that's new to me maybe tell me if i'm wrong i feel like it was a whole like back and forth with the family but not necessarily with like community but i could be wrong it could be just something that slipped from my mind but yeah watching the series delighted Love the take it had loved the flashbacks love all of that
3: yeah they're really really fun i grew up reading goosebumps i I will tell you, they used to scare me so badly that I really don't remember them. Like my mind was
4: like, Nope. I (laughs) just remember the one alien dude. He was a bug.
3: My the one that like really terrified me was the one where the kid got trapped in the mirror. He got trapped Mm -hmm. in the mirror world and there was because you know I doppelgangers freak me out. (laughs) So like the doppelganger was living his life and he could only see from the mirror. Oh. <laughs> Listeners, if you have a favorite goosebumps book, please <laughs> let us
4: know. I just remember the teacher that turns into a bug alien. That's the one I remember. Goosebumps was not up my alley, but yeah, I just remember that one bug of like, what the hell?
3: <laughs> yeah, we had we had all of them. We had like a little bookshelf and it just had all the goosebumps. And I would stay up and I wouldn't be able to sleep because they scared me so badly. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, Well, speaking of, before we get into this, as always, as has made clear in recent episodes, if we ever recommend a movie, please do your own research first. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't get mad.
4: Still Uh, still
3: mad. These are uh, campy slasher movies, um, and they can get pretty graphic. Um, So just be aware uh, before you go on this journey if you haven't gone on it already. So, we're going to run through the plot first, and then we're going to break down some of the themes as we usually do. So, the Fear Street trilogy is an American horror series based on the R.L. Stein books, directed by Lee Janiak, who also co wrote the scripts. Um, They were released in July 2021, and they were pretty positively received. The movie star Kiana Madeira as Dina. Uh, Olivia Scott Welch as Sam Benjamin Flores Jr. as Josh Julia Redwall as Kate Fred Heschinger as Simon Ashley Zuckerman as Nick Good, and yes, I put that last name in there for a reason Danielle Britt Gibson as Martin Gillian Jacobs I believe that's how she pronounces it and Sadie Sink as C. Ziggy Berman and Maya Hawke as Heather and that's just a few because this is three movies spanning across multiple decades (laughs) and centuries so yes Yes. Um, they follow a group of teenagers in the cursed town of Shadyside. And this is a curse that has existed for hundreds of years. The films trace the curse backwards as the group searches for the source of it, uh, with the third act of the third movie bringing the viewer back to modern day to confront the curse. So that's why when I was telling my friends, like, once we start, you're not going to want to stop because you start and then the the it, the first one ends with like but if we go back maybe we'll learn more and then oh if we go back maybe we'll learn more it's kind of like a mystery like like oh i got to get to the bottom of what's going on here so let's start with part 1 which takes place in 1994 and let me just say oh the 90s the 90s the music the technology <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it, it makes me, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, these songs, I remember. Oh, yeah, this these technologies, I remember. Oh, the old internet message boards, all of that stuff. So the first one opens with a teenager murdered by her friend, Ryan, in Shadyside Mall, which is, this is filmed in Georgia, and it's the same place they filmed Stranger Things. So if you saw that mall and we're like, huh, looks familiar. It's because it was filmed in the same place. <laughs> and I have been there. You have been there. They have very cheap movie matinees.
4: <laughs> yes.
3: Yes. Several others are killed before the murderer is shot and killed himself by Sheriff Nick Good. And then just kind of treats this whole thing like shady cider suck. They deserve it. This has happened before. Um, it's shady side is called murder capital of the US. Um, they are often negatively compared to the neighboring town Sunnyvale which is just doing so well, thanks for asking, and is often referred to as one of the safest and wealthiest places to live in the country. The local legend is that a witch executed in 1666 named Sarah Fier, and yes, that's F-I-E-R, is to blame for the curse on Shadyside and the resulting murders that have happened there. Teenager Dina does not believe in the legend and just sort of thinks Side sucks, like, it's just a bad place to be. <laughs> She recently broke up with her girlfriend Sam, who is now dating a boy from Sunnyvale. Her brother Josh, meanwhile, not only believes the legend, but spends a lot of time online researching it. Dina's friends, Simon and Kate, are trying to raise enough money to get out of Shady Side by selling drugs.
4: Yeah, and then a fight breaks out between Shady Ciders and SunnyValers at a vigil for the victims of the murder. Obviously. This happens a lot. Sam's boyfriend, Peter, tailgates a bus full of shady ciders and Dina, angry at Sam for the breakup at the fact that she is a sunny veiler now, prepares to throw a cooler out the back of the bus uh, at the car, but gets a nosebleed and stops. uh, And though the cooler still falls out and hits the car... Their car crashes, and Sam sees a vision of Sarah Fear before she is hospitalized. After seeing a handful of creepy figures that night, Dina and the gang start to suspect that they're being stalked by Sunnyvaleurs, Peter, specifically, because he's a dick. Uh, They go to confront him at the hospital, but one of the stalkers kills Peter! Oh, no! And several others at the hospital, and it is gruesome. They Mm -hmm. manage to unmask him. It turns out it's Ryan, the dead Ryan. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sam and Dina try to tell the police what's going on, but with no success, and Simon is attacked by Ruby Lane, who went on a murdering spree in Shadyside in 1965. Also dead.
3: Also dead, yes. This is when you have one of my favorite scenes in the movie, where it's like... The kind of research montage, and Josh is like Ruby Lane, nineteen sixty five. Like he's putting down all these newspaper <laughs> yes, yes, articles. Yes. I love those scenes in horror movies. The crew realizes that Sam's car crash disturbed Sarah Fears' bones, and that Sam bleeding on them somehow resurrected several of Shady Side's previous killers. Um, they tried to put her spirit to rest by giving her by giving her a proper burial, but the camp nightwing killer who is a killer from 1978 in shady side attacks them before they can succeed they also realize that these killers are only after sam and that her blood attracts them so they try to trick the killers and burn them using sam's blood but burning them doesn't stop them they kind of just resurrect <laughs> um, despite dina's protest the group including sam decides that sam has to be sacrificed But they changed their minds when they learned that C. Berman, the camp Nightwing survivor, died and was resuscitated. Uh, So, they then try to contact C. Berman, but are unable to reach her. So, they come up with a plan to use drugs to temporarily kill Sam and then bring her back to life. Josh, Simon, and Kate try to keep the killers at bay, but Simon and Kate are killed in the process. With Sam's permission, Dina drowns Sam, causing the killers to vanish, and then revives her.
4: And then the police, of course, pin the blame on Simon and Kate since they sold drugs, those bad kids. Uh, (laughs) The surviving crew pushes back on that story. Sam and Dina make up and come out publicly as a couple, which was a big part of why they broke up. Uh, Seems like everything is going to be just fine until... Dina gets a call from C. Berman telling her there's no escape from the witch. Sam, now possessed, attacks Dina until Dina manages to subdue her and tie her up with a phone cord, I believe, right?
3: Yeah, with, uh, you know, our old landline phones that we used in the <laughs> 90s. Um, but so, yeah, this is how the first part is. So you're like, oh, well, now I gotta watch the second one.
0: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply.
1: Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just
3: That brings us to part two, which is uh, Fear Street, 1978. And this this one focuses on the massacre at Camp Nightwing in 1978. Dina and Josh, with a restrained Sam, find C. Berman and ask her to tell them what happened there. And uh, she reluctantly agrees... And it's sort of the rest of the, most of the rest of the film cuts to a flashback of the story. So, after being accused of stealing by Sunny Valers at Camp Nightwing in 1978, Shady Cider an Outcast, Ziggy Berman is accused of witchcraft. The Sunny Valers hang her up at a tree and burn her arm before some camp counselors. One of them, Nick Good, intervene. So...
4: Meanwhile, her sister Cindy, who is determined that if she is close to perfect uh, as she can get, she can escape Shady Side's reputation. And Cindy's boyfriend Tommy are attacked by Nurse Lane. What? Um, Ruby Lane's mother, one of Ziggy's only allies, very kind, kind of odd, as they put it. The police take Nurse Lane into custody. And the Sunny Veilers blame the curse, believing that the witch possessed Nurse Lane and her daughter. Cindy and Tommy check out the infirmary and run into a former friend of Cindy's named Alice and her boyfriend, Arnie. Uh, I believe, is Alice the one? Have you ever seen Dr. Sleep?
3: I have.
4: Is that her in there?
3: I can't remember, but I will tell you when I was watching it yesterday, I was like, oh, I've seen her in something
2: before.
4: (laughs) I think it's her. Anyway, keep going. Uh, Which would put her in two big... uh, Horror franchises with big author names. Just mm-hmm. that was interesting. Um, they find a map to Sarah Fear's house in Nurse Lane's diary, where she claims that Sarah Fear made a deal with the devil for eternal life by cutting off her hand on Satan's stone. Uh, They investigate the house and discover empty graves dug by Nurse Lane and a witch's mark under the house. Alice and Cindy find a wall engraved with the names of all the past Shadyside killers and Tommy's name. And then a possessed Tommy kills Arnie and attempts to kill Cindy and Alice, but they're able to lose him in the caves under the house. They find a pile of organs that seem to be alive. It is really gross and grotesque. And after Alice touches them, she sees visions of past killers and victims. Alice hurts a leg and, and she and Cindy make up and work together to find a potential exit under the camp's outhouse. Boom.
3: Yes, and as all of this is going on, Ziggy and Nick play a prank on the Sunnyvaleers who accuse Ziggy of witchcraft in the beginning, and the two grow closer and eventually kiss. Uh, Tommy kills several campers and a counselor, And Ziggy and another counselor try to rescue Cindy and Alice from the outhouse, but Tommy kills the counselor and forces Ziggy to flee. Her and Nick hide from Tommy, but they are discovered, and Tommy injures Nick. Ziggy is attacked by Tommy, but Cindy arrives and kills him. Uh, And this is after Alice was like, could you ever kill him? And Cindy was like, no, never. Um... Alice tells the group she found the witch's hand buried near Satan's stone. They decide to reunite the witch's hand and her body in the hopes that it will end the curse. Ziggy gets some blood on the hand and has a vision of Seraphir, which resurrects all of the Shadyside killers. Tommy, now reanimated, kills Alice before Cindy decapitates him. The killers chase Ziggy and Cindy to the tree where Sarah Fear was hanged, digging around the tree in search of her body. However, all they find is a rock that says, the witch forever lives. Cindy sacrifices herself after realizing the killers are only after Ziggy, but they are both killed, uh, causing the killers to disappear. But Nick arrives and uses CPR to revive Ziggy, or her real name,
4: Christine Berman. Bop, bop, bop. Mm-hmm. When she finishes the story, the teenagers tell her they found the body and can end the curse by reuniting the witch with her hand. They go to the mall, which was built on where Camp Nightwing used to be, and dug up the hand from the under from under the still-standing tree, which seemed kind of odd. They go back to the body and reunite it with the hand, causing Dina's nose to bleed, and for her to have a vision from 1666, where she is now, Sarah Fear. Yep. And that's where part two ends. So you're like, oh, well, I guess I got to go watch part three. (laughs) Continue.
3: Yes. So this brings us to part three, which is uh, 1666 slash 1994 part two. But it is set primarily in 1666. The interesting thing about this is uh, the actors are kind of reprising their roles, uh, as these characters from 1666. Like, it's not actually Dina, it's Sarah Fear, but the actress who plays Dina plays Sarah Fear. From her perspective, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sarah lives with her brother and father in Union, uh, the land that would later be split into Shadyside and Sunnyvale. Sarah and her friends Hannah, uh, which is the same actress who plays Sam, and Lizzie meet up with a reclusive widow in order to get berries for an upcoming party. It's very heavily implied that those berries are psychedelic in some nature. And Sarah finds a book of black magic. Later at the party, a man named Caleb harasses Sarah and Hannah. And they leave, uh, thinking they are alone. They have an intimate moment together, but they are witnessed by Mad Thomas. The following day, the preacher who is uh, Hannah's father, begins to exhibit strange behavior and the town's supplies of food and water are poisoned. Everyone's on edge and Sarah wonders to her friend, Solomon Good, if all the bad things happening in the town are her fault.
4: So the pastor murders 12 children, which is gruesome by the way, including Mm -hmm. Sarah's brother and attacks Sarah before Solomon kills him. The town has a meeting and concludes witchcraft must be to blame. And Caleb claims Sarah and Hannah as the witches behind the whole thing. No bitterness there. Uh, Sarah manages to escape, but the townspeople capture Hannah and plan to execute her in the morning. Um, Sarah sneaks in to see Hannah and the two affirm their love for each other. To save Hannah, Sarah goes to widows, to the widow's house to retrieve the book of black magic. Uh, she says she's willing to make this deal with the but devil, but discovers the widow murdered and the book gone. She heads to Solomon's house and hides uh, because the townspeople show up looking for her there. She finds a tunnel under the house that leads to evidence of a ritual and the widow's book. Dum-dum-dum. Solomon confesses he stole the book to perform a ritual allowing for the pastor to be possessed in exchange for wealth and power, which he offers to share with Sarah. So nice. Mm. Uh, She refuses and he attacks her and she loses her hand in the fight. Solomon and the townspeople capture her in a desperate attempt to save Hannah because he... Solomon has now blamed her and is accusing her of being a witch. Sarah declares that she is the witch. Um, Hannah is spared, and before she dies, Sarah swears vengeance on Solomon. Hannah and the others return later to properly bury her body away from the tree. Away from the tree. (laughs) Yep. And then we come back to 1994. Deanna tells the others that the goods are the ones behind the shady side curse. The firstborn of every generation continuing the ritual started by Solomon, which is also why Sunnyvale prospers. Dina and Josh are discovered by Nick Good, but get away. They, along with Ziggy, decided that they have to kill Nick to end the curse. They lure Nick to the mall, battle it out with the Shadyside killers, and trick them into attacking Nick by marking him with Dina's blood. Lots of blood. He manages to escape into the tunnels, but Dina and a still-possessed Sam pursue him. Sam attacks Dina, but snaps enough out of the possession for Dina to get away. She confronts Nick, and they fight. Nick almost kills Dina, but she forces him to touch the beating organs, causing him to see the visions of the victims of the killers, allowing for Dina to kill him, finally breaking the curse. Dina and Sam reunite. Ziggy and Nurse Lane reunite. Josh makes his online friend in person very cute. The good family is exposed. Happy ending. Or is it? There's a post credit scene that show someone taking the witch's book from the tunnels, which I still confuse why they left it down there. Yeah.
1: They had a lot going on.
4: I guess they did. <laughs> they had a lot going BT on. Dubs, apparently, uh, R.L. Stein really liked this rendition. He did say that though it's nothing like his book, it held to the spirit of his stories, and he really liked the adaptation. That makes me happy. I feel like that's one of the. I know we've been
3: talking about this recently because we've gotten to hear some of your passions of books and adaptions. I feel like if it sticks to the spirit of it, I'm not generally one of those people that's like, put in the book. But if you kind of deviate from the spirit or characters drastically, that's when I'm like, but wait a minute.
4: <laughs> right. So he was talking about that. at least they kept the characters and they understood the curses of that what's happening. So he he appreciated it. He appreciated the storytelling and the flips. So, you know, that's great. Apparently, he's still writing. Did you know that? I did not know that. It's Goosebumps series. He's still doing them. Oh. I should check it out. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I'm legitimately a little nervous. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think um, for anyone who isn't who hasn't seen these hasn't read them? Uh, they're kind of tricky to explain, so I hope we did a decent job. But it, there's just a lot going on. It makes sense when right. you're watching them, I promise. But
4: like, if you like a campy series with little twists and turns, um, mm-hmm. and if you've already listened to it, you've gotten spoiled completely. So sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's on you. We told you spoilers. <laughs> we did. Uh, but. Uh, It's fun. It's a fun little... And and for me who hates gory movies, slasher films, I actually enjoyed it. Of course, the second time around was more enjoyable because I knew what was to come, so I would close my eyes or like ignore the scene where it's completely deadly. But it's so over the top that it didn't. Mm. It was silly, almost.
3: Yeah. I think one of the things that struck me about... These movies, uh, a couple of things, which we're going to talk about in the the themes in a second. But uh, I don't know. I I knew what was going to happen because I feel like I read, I was looking up, you know, best horror movies, whatever, and everybody spoiled me on, like, the bread maker scene and the bread slicer scene. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it was just so sad because I liked everybody. Like, they did a good job yeah. of... Making everybody very sympathetic, um almost everybody,
4: and and that you well, even Nick until the end, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, he seems like a cool guy, ish,
3: yeah, yeah, which i I think that's a hallmark of a really good movie is that it I was legitimately bummed <laughs> like bummed to sound so trite, but i was I was like, oh, and then uh, just hearing. The, the narrative around Shady Side and Shady Siders is like oh well they bought it they were selling drugs it was their fault right. um, was very upsetting and I think that that's that's a mark again that they did a good job of making you care about these characters one of the biggest twists for me was they did a they did an excellent little trickery in the second one where you think C Berman is Cindy the whole time. Right, the, because Gillian Jacobs' hair is brown when you see her, and Cindy's hair is brown, and Sadie Sink as Ziggy Berman, her hair is red, and so that was one of the biggest like <laughs> for me. <Ooh. laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, let's let's get into some of the themes. I think one of the big ones. It makes me sad that this is still something that I'm like, oh wow. But the fact that they centered the relationship between Dina and Sam, which is a gay relationship, so much surprised to me. Yeah, And I think one of the scenes that sticks out to me the most is when, I think it's in the second one, when Dina is talking to um, Ziggy and says like, but I love her. Like, just simply as, like, I love her. Like, I can't just abandon her. I love her. Right. And, and it, it was pretty, I thought it was pretty well done. And, and to see it play out as the centerpiece of this, along with, you know, your supporting very, very supportive friendships and stuff, it was nice. And to see it go all the way back to 1666. <laughs> sort of love story through the ages. Love story through the ages, yes. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons, as we mentioned, that uh, Dina and Sam broke up was that Sam was closeted. Like she wasn't open about her sexuality in the beginning of part one. Uh, and she kind of comes out publicly at the end of, of part one in 1994. So to see their, their, their relationship and the struggles of that um, and all these things that they're dealing with, I don't know. I just found it pretty pretty refreshing. Mm-hmm. It it didn't feel like they were uh, baiting you or anything. It just felt like, oh, no, these characters, yeah. they're in love. And it felt very...
4: They're just in a relationship mm-hmm. and they're fighting in the story. Yeah, exactly. Of course, they do kind of do the twist of like, you think that they're mad about them being with the boy yeah. and that they're like at the very beginning. They do kind of try to do that to throw you off, but it doesn't feel like... This is not from a male gaze.
3: No. And, and, like, if you go back to the 1666, but even in present day, because they, I think they were very clever in the actors they cast, and who, like, who did 1994 Simon play in nineteen in 1666, um, that you have these scenes of Hannah and Sarah, slash Dina and Sam, kind of pissing off these men. Men who are getting angry at being rejected that they're not of interest to these women. And that sort of being the whole thing, or part of the whole thing, that led to them being accused of witchcraft was just these men were mad <laughs> that they got rejected. Right. And then there was that whole scene of... uh when they were checking it was women primarily uh checking women for marks in 1666 it was just like so humiliating like they were taking off their clothes and looking for marks on them um these ways of asserting dominance of power of humiliating these women when they felt so angry that they had been rejected by these women right um and then on top of that, we talked about this before, too, just the like men trying to keep power was throughout in all of this uh, with the good family. Uh, but also, yeah, certainly in, in 1666, where they, anybody who's messing with the patriarchy and how that is assumed it must be, is is a witch or an outsider or something bad, and therefore uh, we can blame everything on them, and we can kill them, we can hang them, and things will be better.
4: I think I appreciate that a depiction of witchcraft in, in meaning like, hey, it wasn't these women, and they just use witchcraft as a way of like getting rid of problematic what they see as women with uh, uh, who who don't. Abide by normal standards, and so I thought that was interesting too. And I like that they twisted it like that.
3: Yeah, I thought that was a really good tape because we've talked about that before. We talked about that in the witch, where at the end she becomes a witch because that's the only opportunity available left to her. Like that's the only thing, and it was similar in this. Like Sarah was so desperate to save Hannah. That yeah. she was willing to, you know, make this pact and and engage in dark magic, black magic. But that was like the last path left to her after they'd been accused and no one would believe them that it wasn't them. And then in the very end, before she's hanged, when she, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm the witch, I'm the witch. She did that to save the person she loved. So they kind of pushed her into this path. Meanwhile, it's a man the whole time doing the actual <laughs> witchcraft. Hello, Yeah, and uh, then you see the town blaming this witch, uh, blaming Sarah Fear for everything bad that's ever happened to them. So it was nice to see like the discovery of oh, it wasn't her.
4: You're right. She was trying to protect everyone by letting everybody know what was happening, which does apply to us. That happens a lot. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and just sort of the like biases we have where you know, you kind of the the reason Nick Good's name I said his name is because his whole name is because they have this whole like good is evil thing at the, the end. Yes where they
4: And then fear, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. And her name is Fear. And just sort of those things where we, we go in believing, Oh, she was a woman, she was a witch, it must have been her or right. you know, he's an upstanding citizen. His name is good. Can't be him. Right. Uh, <laughs> Can't be him. So to see that flip is pretty rewarding.
4: This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
3: With access to over six million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs
4: Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly.
3: Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
1: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
2: wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the tonne. fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
0: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: And then as we've talked about before, there's also the theme of persecution throughout of witches, of queerness, any outsiders, because shady siders are basically seen as outsiders. Um, right. that's how the, the town is painted, and and the way people talk about them is very like they're expendable. They brought it on themselves. Um, they can't just conform, and so it's their fault, whatever's happening to them. That's why the witch is coming for them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff around trauma. In these, yes, yes, uh, there's religious trauma. I think I picked up on last time I was watching it. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> we have upcoming episodes on this, listener. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a doozy. It is quite oh. a doozy. But just this in 1666, where they everybody felt like they couldn't be themselves, and if they were true to themselves. You'd be persecuted. And then it was this thing that you felt like you had to punish yourself for. Like, if I just punish myself or if I feel guilty enough, maybe I won't be queer anymore. Maybe I won't sin in heavy quotes anymore based on this religion that they were all steeped in, that they all believed in. There is certainly the whole dismissing women and youth, I would say. I don't think we talk about that enough either but it's very like oh no. you young people oh,
4: yeah. <laughs> I love how they made this nurse lane who is probably younger than me or my age looks so decrepit from jump mhm <laughs> from jump. You're right
3: yeah yeah um but there's a scene in in part 1 where Sam and Dina go to the police and obviously Nick good when when you know how the ending goes, he had an ulterior motive, but they they were very dismissive it was quite kind of an unbelievable story, but still they were very very dismissive, and one of the cops says to them, "Go find your boyfriends, tell them you need to relax Wow,
4: yeah, yeah, I was like, I'm ready to punch this dude now <laughs> tell them you need
3: to relax right. oh gross." <laughs> Gross! 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 And then I think there's a lot to unpack with the whole Shady Side versus Sunnyvale thing. Yeah, because there's a lot of interesting discussion I think we could have around privilege and legacy and this sort of idea of like the narrative, and you can't escape things that follow you. Things follow you. So there's just so much of this feeling from people in Shady Side, like oh, it's going to hang on to me forever. I'm never going to be able right. to escape this. And that's also the narrative they're getting fed, is like you can't get out of Shady Side. So you have like Kate and Simon selling drugs to save to get out. You have Dina who sort of accepted this like doom of, of Shady Side. You have Sam who, quote, got out and is now, you know, an outsider to them. Just all of these instances where we see people feeling like they're trapped in this this situation. And then like you got um Cindy who you, it's implied heavily changed her personality. Like she won't swear. She got a polo. She tries to be perfect. She dates this perfect boyfriend that is also heavily implied right. that she didn't really like at all. <laughs> right. And she did all of that because like she wanted to escape shady side. But the it's it feels like the message then is you can do everything right, but the systems in place betray you and blame you. And it's true, like you have the authorities, the authority in a town who's essentially sacrificing you so they can be rich and wealthy and happy and you're getting blamed for it even if you do everything right.
4: Right. I did find it interesting that of course, good. Whoever they are going after has a connection to someone that they care about. So you're like, obviously they're going to kill them. What is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that <laughs> like too. Like he does, the first one does the pastor whose daughter is in a relationship. Maybe that was out of jealousy. Yeah. Let's be honest. Maybe that was out of jealousy. Actually, several of these could be out of jealousy to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he does the father of the daughter that your, your crush, I guess, is the best way to say it. Uh is linked to or but he doesn't know that he just thinks they're best friends so i'm like why would you do this why would you obviously she's gonna be in that proximity so she might get killed what the hell man
3: yeah i think that's a good point though that a lot of them were either and both not thought through or it was out of jealousy because i think solomon did have a thing for sarah and i think right He, when she kind of spurned his deal of, oh, I'll share it with you, that's when he said, oh, she's the witch, even though he also was scared because she could out him. But like...
4: Right. um, And then... no one would believe her, who's already been accused of being the witch. It's true. It's
3: true. I think a lot of it does have to do with... uh, with jealousy. Um, And that was a recurring theme of... dudes being real mad... (laughs) when women didn't do what they wanted them to do um, right but yeah that that's certainly certainly something i picked up on as well and i do i did want to include we we talked about this earlier already but i did want to include the line like when uh, sarah says you know they think they're guilty so we are they want a witch i'll give them a witch and that's that same idea of we're forcing there's only one right. way <laughs> to move forward for these women when yeah. they've been persecuted is like you we're making in this in this case they made the witch that they wanted. They made the scapegoat that they wanted.
4: Which is I, and tell me if I'm wrong, most of the movies that I've seen that are supposed to be historically based uh where the witches are not witches but they're being blamed, essentially they're just going to be tortured until they admit they're witches. So if they say they're not and deny it, they're going to be tortured until they say yes and then they'll be put out of their misery essentially in a horrible death mm-hmm. so it's kind of like what do you want
3: <laughs> from that
4: yeah I mean
3: and that's one of those things about those the like Salem witch trials where you know they throw you in the water if you float you're a witch if you drown you're not yeah. a witch but then you're dead <laughs> you're dead <laughs> so what's better man right. exactly Uh, And then another thing I wanted to touch on in these is I did think they showcased a lot of really supportive friendships that were refreshing. I love in uh, part one when they all decide to stand up and to stand with Sam, um, even though she had recently broken up with Dina. They were kind of mad at her. But they, in the end, especially after she agreed to sacrifice herself, um... Like, no, we're going to fight with you. And I just thought that was so nice. I'm so sad that they die <laughs> in the fight. Um, but it, it was just nice to see that they all came together and were like, no, one of us is in trouble. We're all going to fight
4: together to come up with this plan. And then they die a horrible death. <laughs> they do. And, and the brother gets to hook up with a hot girl, which I was like, that was unnecessary, but okay, whatever. But, and then she dies. Yeah, And then they forget her. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, that I couldn't figure out because at first I was like, so it's Simon and Kate are together, and I was like, oh, so Kate and Josh, but then I was like, is Josh much younger than her? I don't know what's going yeah. on.
4: <laughs> I don't know how much younger. I think they're still teens. Both of them are in mm-hmm. teens, so it's not like it's still weird because when you think of high school, and I was like, I would never as a as a junior would yeah. never date a freshman or so. You know what I mean? Unless it was a girl. A younger girl with an older boy. That was okay. That's such a weird complex, weird thing. <laughs>
3: That's something to unpack in a future episode. That's <laughs> a whole Perhaps. thing. There were, there were some threads of betrayal, especially if you are talking about men betraying women uh, in their lives of, like, Nick Good. I guess sort of being okay, that everybody Ziggy cared about died, but, you know... <laughs> was still wanting to be in her life. Right. <laughs> or Solomon good with a similar thing. I do like that there's that thread of multiple generations of women helping each other. So even though Ziggy is really hesitant at first, uh, in the end she ends up like really leaning in and really being yeah. there. <laughs> like, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna fight this guy. Um and, and, you know, in remembrance of her sister and who she lost and of Alice. and Right.
4: Well, I think she's also mad because she got tricked.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he killed people. As he told. did. And she Our trusted sister, opened up to him. Yes. Right. Oh, absolutely. But right. still, it was nice to see, you. like... Uh, and and honestly, like even Sarah Fear, kind of reaching out over the all all this time of like, I'm still, oh, I'm gonna get this guy. <laughs> I'm gonna get this
4: guy. So was like I'm gonna show everyone, everyone. Hmm. But they just didn't get the message. It was convoluted. It was convoluted.
3: It's very similar to the Grudge in that way. Well. Yes. Well. Ju-on, maybe not the Grudge, but I think Juwan's the one where she's actually trying to warn them that the bad dude's no, coming. No, she still
4: takes the she takes the one girl in the bed. It was her. Well, in the Grudge,
3: it's her. And no, Ju-on. in the
4: it's her too. It's her face that you see in the covers.
3: Oh, I don't remember. I just know she's like the warning before the guy comes to kill you. But everybody thought she was the warning. Everybody thought she was the actual person.
4: So maybe we'll have to go back and look at this. Because if I remember correctly, in the uh, Asian, the Japanese version, when she looks in the covers, it's her as well. And then she gets sucked in. So unless they don't show that and they just imply it, but that would be the same implication in the original American grudge with Sarah... Michelle Geller. Yes. It's like Jessica Parker. Like, that is not <laughs> it. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's a future. Yeah. Episode. I feel like there's several of the, like, oh, my God, we tried to tell you. I mean, there's episodes like in uh, Supernatural where they have that, uh, where the sister is trying to warn about the the other sister. They think it's her because she's the one that's coming right. out. So, they, they burn her body. Same thing right. with the uh, mother trying to keep the uh, the uh, meta episode where there's a Supernatural conference. Mm-hmm and it turns out that the mother was trying to keep the children at bay, and she mm-hmm. killed them because he killed the, like they had killed her son, and you don't know that until after the fact. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a pretty
3: common theme, and I think a lot of it does rely on, as we said earlier, that sort of knee-jerk, oh, she's the witch, so it's her. Right. Like, we don't give the benefit of the doubt, we don't question any further, we don't investigate any further. Um, so it was... Nice to see in this that they were like, wait a minute. We should look into this a bit more. <laughs> uh, she didn't mean to. She just ended up touching her. Exactly. Exactly. And then I did I did like the sisterhood between yeah. Ziggy and Cindy. Because they, they were very different people and their relationship was complex. But I liked that in the end... Cindy was like it's I I am here for you. You are the person that I want to be I want to be with and um and then seeing them reconcile and I also liked seeing Cindy and Alice reconcile
4: even though unfortunately yeah. Alice died soon after but I liked seeing them reconcile. <laughs> There's so many things, of course, the ins and outs of high school and being perfect. Yeah. That was a whole different conversation in itself and losing yourself because you're try- you are trying—you really think your situation is the problem, which I think a lot of people think that in general. And it could mm-hmm. be true. Uh, yeah, but then I'd... they forget who they're leaving behind mm-hmm. as well. I thought they did a pretty great job of portraying
3: the the difficulties of that age. And right. how the growing pains of that age and how that can impact your relationships with your friends or your siblings or, or what have you. Um,
4: I also like your take on the fact that Ziggy, the per- person who plays that character, plays that same character yeah. in Stranger Things.
3: <laughs> yeah. When I was watching Stranger Things, I was like, is she going to do literally the same, oh, she died but was resurrected and so now it's okay? Oh, wow, she is.
4: <laughs> but she's not dead yet. It's if true. she's not resurrected quite yet. It's true.
3: <laughs> Spoilers for Stranger Things.
4: <laughs> oh, dear, oh,
3: dear, row, row. oh, dear. Uh, and I just had to throw out there somebody who grew up with the Konami code. I did appreciate the Konami code mention. What is this? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Oh, uh, yeah. The code they're saying okay. at the end. Yeah. So, like, if you start, like, Silent Hill 3, for instance, and you just put that in the menu, you win the game automatically. Uh, really? hmm The Konami Yeah. I love it. I love the mention of it. I loved my 90s <laughs> nostalgia. It was very 90s. fun. <laughs> As you should. Yeah. So, if this is your thing, campy, slasher, fun, horror movies, but they are horror movies and they do get kind
4: of gory, we recommend it. does have a quote-unquote happy ending. Yes. Also. And apparently... By, by the way, as we were talking about R.L. Stein, he said that, that that was a smart way to go because that's the only way he can end his books or the fans rebel. So there you go.
3: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I believe it. I believe it. Uh, Yeah, then we recommend it. And, and for anybody out there who has any suggestions on what we should do for future Spoiled Saturdays, other horror movies we should watch, any thoughts about these that we didn't touch on or the books...
4: Oh, remind me of the books because I've missed those books. I think I need to go buy them.
3: Yes. Or your favorite Goosebumps books. All of these things. Um, you can contact us via email. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Cristina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff on our Told you, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows.